Welcome. If you're a woman who has a sense that there's more out there for you, you're in the right place. I'm Whitney Baker, host of the Electric Ideas podcast. Somewhere along the line of working kids, life carried on, but I lost track of my truth. I'm on a reflective journey, and that's what this podcast is all about. Each week, I interview a woman who is lighting her own path and offering others hope. Before our conversation ends, we'll share a reflective question for you to explore. Sometimes all we need is a jolt, a fresh idea, an aha moment that connects us to a sense of possibility. This, my friends, is what I call an electric idea. Welcome back to Electric Ideas. Today's guest is Katie Wells. Katie is host of the globally recognized top 50 podcast called The Maximized Minimalist and a leading declutter expert. She inspires families around the world to declutter and simplify so they can live life to their fullest. I knew I really wanted Katie on the show because her teachings are so aligned with the Electric Ideas community in terms of creating space for what and who matter most. I love connecting with Katie's wisdom because I am somebody who knows I operate better when my environment feels less cluttered, but I'm also a creative and a collector and hugely capable of making messes at lightning speed. So I know this conversation is going to give us all some fresh perspective and tools we can use to hopefully save us time and invite a little bit more simplicity into our day to day. So let's get into it. All right, Katie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You have a very successful show of your own called The Maximized Minimalist, and I thought we would start there. What does it mean to live more with less? It looks different for everyone, but it also looks the same. It's interesting. I think living more with less means for so many of us, it means more joy, more freedom, and that's in a whole host of ways that freedom comes. Uh, more energy, more time, more physical space, more love, more connection, and all of the things that clutter and stuff take away from. So it's it's more of that. And truly, at the end of the day, it's more of what you've always wanted, which is why it can look different and unique to every individual. And you know, through decluttering and simplifying our physical environments, I think we begin to learn how intricately connected we are to our homes and the spaces we spend time and how the stuff in our homes, whether it's stuff that sparks joy or it's clutter or anywhere in between, all of that impacts our thoughts and our emotions. And when we simplify that and open up space, literally, our emotions and thoughts change with that. And then our behaviors change and our choices change. And it just can lead to this, again, catalyst and kind of domino effect in our lives. And it's a really beautiful thing. So I truly believe that we can all live more with less. Beautiful. I can't wait to get into all of that. But before we do, because I know you have so many great tips and suggestions, I'm just curious if there was a tipping point for you in your own life. Like what set you off on this decluttering journey? You know, interestingly enough, my story actually starts in a hospital room. So this came back in 2017. I was at really the rock bottom of what I thought was my life. I was a new mom, two kids under two, overwhelmed, struggling, exhausted, felt like I was on this hamster wheel of modern day motherhood, couldn't catch up, chores, grocery shopping, all the things that we try and balance as moms and women. And I was working probably 70 hours a week outside of the house. I was just so stressed all the time. And my mental health was feeling that impact. I was depressed. I was dealing with chronic anxiety. I was beginning to have panic attacks. And when I came home from work, 
after a long day, I just wanted to spend time with my kids and be present and play with them and, you know, read extra books and give them extra snuggles. But I felt constantly pulled to chores, to clutter, to piles, all the distraction within my home. And then on this day in 2017, my family and I happened to be hit in a head-on collision and very gratefully, my kids and I were okay, but my husband came literally a millimeter or two from losing his life. And for several hours sitting in the hospital room that day, not knowing what was going to happen, if I was going to leave that hospital with a husband, if I was going to be a widow, I was like, now I'm at the rock bottom of my rock bottom. How am I going to survive and do this thing called life and parenting and motherhood without a partner? And, uh, you know, by the grace of God, my husband made a full recovery. It took a very long time, but it was really where I realized I have to do things differently. If I was already struggling, I'm going to be struggling even more. What What's in my power that I can control? I can't give myself more time in the day. I can't change my circumstance about the hours I'm working in my business, but I can control what I bring into my home and I can control my environment, even if I have two young children who are messy and who have lots of toys. And I came home that night after spending all day in the hospital. It was a very traumatic day. And I walked in and Whitney, for the first time, I felt like I saw my home through a different set of eyes, like almost felt like I was a stranger walking into my house. And I just looked around and I saw the piles, the toys, the clutter, the mail, the coloring stuff, everything. And it was so clear. It was crystal clear. All of those things were a distraction. And my focus was my kids and my husband and helping him heal for the next long period of time. And those were taking away my time and energy from who and what mattered most. And that is the the line in the sand, so they say, as when I was like, all those excuses, all those roadblocks, you know, the time, the lack of energy, lack of time that I always use as an excuse, even though it was truly a difficult, you know, for us busy women, I was like, it doesn't matter because now all of a sudden, Whitney, my why became bigger than my challenges. My why was I have to do this for my survival and my mental health and for my family. And so I wasn't born organized. I wasn't born like, you know, with a label maker in my hand, like a lot of people in my space. And it took a few years to really develop my own framework to make it sustainable and practical because my busyness didn't change. I was still a mom. I was still working. So after trial and error with a lot of other methods out there, I essentially just developed my own. And as they say, the rest is history, right? My mental health changed for the better. My connections with my kids deepened. I was happier. I was more content. All these things we talked about that living with less truly is more. And, you know, my home changed and everything just, I feel like fell into place. And this expectation of motherhood and life I always wanted, but my reality was so far from that. I was so much closer and it all came from, from simplifying. Wow. First of all, I got like goosebumps all over my arms with your story. I didn't know. I'm so glad everyone is okay. And I find even the pre-accident story so relatable. So many women in my community are dealing with that overwhelm and fatigue. And I think what they really want is just to connect, like you said, with their families and their kids, but they're exhausted and they're swimming under... (laughs) piles of laundry and piles of everything. This actually takes me into 
some of the statistics. I love that you cite statistics on your podcast. You said studies show that the average American woman spends about two and a half hours, give or take, on household chores. And I think a lot of women want to free up more time for their families. They don't want to spend that much time. They want to spend time on their hobbies and their passions too. How does reducing clutter help us save on this housework? Well, I want your listeners to hear me because this took me a long time to understand is that clutter, we pay for our clutter with more than our wallets, right? Or more than our credit cards or, you know, you know, when we're buying at Target or buying online, we're like, oh, transaction complete. But we pay with our stuff and our clutter with our time, with our energy, with storing it. It costs an average of $10 a square foot based on average mortgages and rents here in the States to store our stuff. So there's the financial cost and physical space you're contributing to just storing the item, whether it's clutter or not. We pay for it with our time, with our energy, shuffling things from pile to pile, losing things. There's so much data and statistics on how much time the average person looks for things only to not find it, buy it again, right? Impacting our money. And I think more importantly for women, while all those things are frustrating and we can kind of see from a 30,000 foot view, yeah, clutter is impacting my time. There's a mental and emotional piece, just like I was experiencing You know, for me, I had this clutter-induced anxiety that I didn't realize was a big reason I was experiencing it. And it's not going to be the same for everyone. It doesn't mean it's the cause, but it was certainly a very high and large contributing factor to my mental health, depression, all these things outside of the circumstantial events happening in my life at the time. And back to the housework piece, though, there is an interesting study that Harvard did a while back that showed by eliminating that clutter those piles in your home, calling your name, Whitney, Whitney, come handle me, Whitney, Whitney, go through me, organize me, declutter, da, da, da. you should really do this. You know, it's always talking to us that by eliminating clutter in our home, it can reduce your housework by 40%. So that's an hour a day on average that you save. That's 30 hours a week, right? We can do the math. That's 365 hours a year. And I think that is so profound because in a day of productivity and time management and hustle and trying to do more in our to-do list and get more done and all these things which are great and helpful because we're busy and we still want to be productive, this is one way that you can actually invest your time because there's an ROI. You get a return. And that's was eye-opening because I was like, again, I don't have the time. I'm busy. Well, it's never wasting time to declutter. You're not just spending it getting no return. It's just like some people invest in the stock market. You put $50 in, you hope to get a hundred out because you want to return. And decluttering offers that same thing with time, with energy, with mental headspace, with emotions, right? It's so powerful. But just from a time standpoint alone, it's like, yes, I can actually gain time back. And I can say years into this, I'm in maintenance mode now that I've gained well more than the time I invested into decluttering on the back end. So it's very profound. With the time piece, I want to share a shift in attitude that your show has actually helped me a little bit with because I feel like I used to have this pressure and it would be like, okay, I need like a half a day and I'm going to just tackle it all and and as if it was going to get done, right? Mm-hmm. And something you talk a lot about is that decluttering is a lifelong process. 
And I know everybody listening is in a different stage of where they're at. But to me, it almost made it more peaceful for me. Because instead of, uh, if you can even perceive the shift in my voice, like it's never going to be done. It's almost this acceptance of like, it's never done. And it's just an ongoing process and that's okay. Mm -hmm. So where do you start with women that are kind of still hooked into that time excuse and feeling overwhelmed or like they don't know where to start and they don't have a great system in place? I had the same story. It's funny. I think a lot of that comes, you know, we're kind of pushed as women or mothers and our culture is just obsessed with like perfectionism, right? And that is a telltale narrative and script of a perfectionist. Like I'll do it when I have an entire weekend where I can completely finish or if I can't do it right or how I envision, I don't even want to start. So with that type of perfectionistic tendency or just thought that you have, I would encourage you to reframe that into even though it's not optimal in the way I would like to do it, it doesn't mean it's not beneficial. And so the same habits that I help students get started with are the same ones I do on a day-to-day basis in maintenance. So what gets you progress in the beginning, the middle is also going to keep it at the end. So it's a really beautiful thing. And so habit forming, right? So there's two different types of mess. And before I give you the two habits, as a podcast listener, you've probably heard me talk about this. It's really important to differentiate the messes that we have in our house. So the clutter is the true enemy here, right? The excess, the extra, the unwanted, the unneeded, the the broken, the things that we just, that are taking our time and energy away from the people, the things that we do want, use, love, and you know, need in our lives. That is the true enemy. And so one habit to implement, no matter how busy you are, that's going to make you progress and offer momentum are what I call clutter audits. So you don't have to dedicate even 15 minutes a day. Not all of us have that each day or some days, right? So clutter audits are beautiful because they establish the habit. And once that habit's in place, it's automatic, right? That's why our brains love habits to begin with. Our brains don't want to burn calories thinking about what do I need to do. So we get into these habits. So clutter audits are you attach decluttering to an existing chore or household task that you're doing on a day-to-day or at least week-to-week basis. So it's an opportunity to do an audit or edit when you're in a space. So when you're putting clean dishes away, you know, you can see you're pulling out your coffee mug from the dishwasher you used the day before. Maybe you let go of two of the coffee mugs that are chipped and have been collecting dust in the back of your cabinet, right? That's an opportunity to let go of a few things. And so a lot of people go, well, Katie, that sounds great, but where do I put these things? So I recommend a permanent donation bin somewhere that's easily accessible and visible in your home that acts as a gentle reminder, something you're going to see every day. Mine is in my garage on an eye level shelf that I see every time I pull in and pull out of my garage. It could be inside a closet or a pantry or, you know, every home is different. Our physical limitations we have to honor, but you want it to, you want to see it every day. And then you quickly put those items in your donation bin. Same thing when you're doing laundry. I've got two young kids who are growing like weeds. And sometimes when I pull things out of the dryer, I'm like, this doesn't quite fit my son. It's kind of like high waters now, these jeans. So I don't need to go and think, oh, well, I don't have time to declutter his whole closet right now, right? That was my go-to. So I'm just going to leave him here and deal with him later. I'm just going to put him back in his dresser. That's what I would do a lot. So now he's going through things that don't even fit him. And so I have a donation bin 
a tiny one. You could use an Amazon box, shop your home. You might have a bin there. But I have a small like 12 by 18 bin on one of my shelves. I plop it up there. Once that's filled, I go and bring it downstairs to my garage one and boom, done, right? And so all of these little things add up and that's what a lot of us kind of struggle with. It can feel painful to some of us who are like, but we just want to get it all done at once. Well, if that method worked, would you be struggling with clutter? You know, that's the reality. So that's clutter audit. Hey, if you're feeling inspired by this episode of Electric Ideas and looking for an even deeper opportunity for transformation, I invite you to join my signature six-week mastermind called Season to Shift. It starts September 27th. I just opened the doors. I've already had people sign up. I'm so excited. You'll get to experience a mix of soulful guided meditations. You'll rediscover your joy from within through a variety of fun yet introspective journaling exercises. I handmade this program with so much love based on exactly what helped me in my own journey to move the needle. When I was at this place in my life where I felt stuck, ready for more, but I didn't know where to start. My clients from this program are the best. They continue to circle back to me and tell me how much this program shifted the needle for them and helped them show up the way they want to show up in their lives. One client said, the visual meditations were a weekly highlight, helping me center myself and find clarity. The power of the written word amazed me, especially the stream of consciousness writing. It felt like unveiling hidden parts of my soul. How powerful is that? This is such a special opportunity to be guided in community with other like-minded women but will also help you spark insights and fresh revelations. So if you're wondering who should join Season to Shift, the answer is simple. Moms who are seeking to reconnect with their inner voice and find joy that's right in front of them without needing to dramatically change any of their circumstances. If this is whispering to you, please check it out. You can head to myelectricideas.com. You're also more than welcome to email me at Whitney at myelectricideas.com with any questions or drop me a direct message on Instagram. Hope to see you there. Okay, back to the show. That makes absolute sense. And I'll tell you how that works in my house just to reflect it back to you. And in case it helps listeners just picture it in their own homes, in my linen closet on the bedroom floor, which is the second floor in my home, I have a bag in the bottom and it's for clothes donations And my girls are now 10 and 11 and they will even say, I've outgrown this and they will put stuff in there. I always look in there to make sure we're not making any, you know, (laughs) accidental tosses. But it was kind of this amazing moment when I'm like, wow, you know, I might not have to do the entire clean out your closet this year because you've been auditing it and editing it as we go. And I do that a lot more with my stuff now, too, is I just like slowly release things that aren't serving me anymore versus needing to do it all at once. So I love that tip. What other habits have helped you and your clients make the biggest shifts when it comes to having a more simplified home? Yes. So clutter we've tackled with the clutter audits, you know, incorporating that. And again, these can take seconds. Typically they take under two minutes. Mine usually take less than 30 seconds. Anytime you know, I'm going to clean my house, I look under my kitchen sink where I keep things. Again, opportunity, boom, you can condense, you can declutter, you can maybe zhuzh it up and organize. It doesn't always have to be 
decluttering. And then the other type of mess that a lot of us experience that can feel like the bane of our existence sometimes as women is expected mess. So expected mess is the mess that comes from being a living, breathing human being on this planet. No one can escape it, right? We cook dinner, the kitchen's dirty, we clean the dishes, the laundry gets dirty, all these different cycles and chores that just like you said earlier on, decluttering is a lifelong thing. Well, so we're unfortunately, sometimes it feels like doing these chores. So for a lot of women, I noticed, and this was me too, I, I tended to use the, the same kind of mindset. I was like, I don't have time to declutter I need an entire weekend. So when that happens, I'll figure it out. And I started doing that with expected mess too. I'd like the dishes were piling up in the sink. I was like, I don't want to do this. I was procrastinating. And then the mess would get so much bigger. And then it kind of interweaves and intermixes with the clutter. And then we get triggered. We get overwhelmed. Procrastination digs even deeper. And next thing you know, it's like we need an entire weekend to clean our house, just keeping up with the expected mess. So Daily resets have been my go-to solution for several years to handle that expected mess. And that is where you reset the space back to its baseline, foundation, tidiness level, whatever that looks like for your home. And common places we all kind of organically do this would be a kitchen, right? A lot of us tend to clean up the kitchen-ish after dinner or clean off the counter or wipe the counters. We all have our own thing but by really making that a habit. And so I tend to anchor daily resets to a time where it makes sense. I'm not going to do a kitchen reset, uh, you know, at 10 o'clock at night before bed. I'm going to do it, try to do it immediately following when the kitchen gets messy after cooking, after prepping lunches for school the next day, and after we all eat our food. And so look around your home and start identifying, just get curious, like what are some expected mess hotspots, not clutter hotspots? Like what are spaces that tend to get overwhelming? Maybe it's a kid's toy area. Maybe it's clothing. It's your wardrobe. Maybe it's like the top of your nightstand. Then you notice that throughout the week, little things end up on that surface area. And it might not be a super big pain point, but it's annoying, right? We want our bedrooms to be peaceful (laughs) and not have clutter in them. And so you can incorporate a weekly reset or maybe a quick daily reset to the top of your nightstand or bathroom vanity, these places that the surface areas are attracting stuff to. And for kitchens, obviously, you know, once two or three times a day, one per each meal is ideal. But the idea is it helps reduce that overwhelm and you just get it done and you it really reduces and limits procrastination from kicking in and rearing its ugly head. And these have been so transformative. And I think also understanding for me that mess is okay. The end goal isn't perfection because if anyone's ever experienced this and this was me, I was like, I would clean my counters, I would declutter. And then my kids would come home from school or daycare, or my husband would come home and drop his bag, his cup, his protein powder, his work. And I'm like, what's the point? This feels like an exercise in futility. And I began to get so resentful and I was constantly triggered. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't handle this. Is this going to be my life for the next forever? I realized, hold on, mess happens to everyone, whether you're Marie Kondo or Katie Wells, it doesn't matter. And it's not necessarily that it gets easy. Some days I get annoyed still with expected mess, but knowing that there's a plan in place to handle it. And that doesn't always mean us as the primary stuff managers or home CEOs. We can delegate and teach our kids to do these daily resets too in their bedrooms, in their play spaces, after their homework is done. And again, they don't take a ton of time. They're typically not too challenging of a life skill to 
incorporate or teach. And the result is more time, more freedom, less mess, less being triggered. And because they don't take long, typically, I think it is easier to get family buy-in to the system. You know, we're not saying, hey, once a month, we have to spend an entire day, an entire Saturday cleaning and decluttering. No one wants to do that. Instead, it's like, hey, once a week, you spend 10 to 15 minutes cleaning up your room or less than five, depending on what's happening in there. Most kids can be like, okay, I'll do that so I can have my Saturday, you know, skateboarding and riding bikes and stuff. And us too, right? Us too. Yeah, I I really like that distinction between expected mess and clutter. And what's coming up for me as you're talking is sometimes in my life, I feel like I'm so focused on, you know, trying to keep the house organized that there's actually a few of my personal spaces that probably trigger me the most, like my vanity or my desk, because I'm so focused on it feeling peaceful and clear and that sort of thing. So this is making me think about maybe inviting my listeners to just be mindful about where they're seeing an expected mess mm-hmm. that that they feel kind of negatively charged about this week. And maybe just trying a little reset. Like I think that it would be a good habit for me to do an end-of-day reset for one minute on my desk, just so it, it's like a yes. little gift to my future self to come back to it, you know? What would the future me want me to do now, right? Yes. The future me would want me to spend 60 seconds tidy up my desk so I can come to my workspace tomorrow and feel like calm and collected and not like, whoa, all the stuff everywhere, you know? Yes. I always think about that too. Whenever I'm like my hands are full or I'm transitioning out of my car and I'm about to leave (laughs) like a, a piece of garbage, I'm like, okay, the future me would not like to come in and have this like kids trash in the car. So just, just grab it. That's like, that's my inspiration. (laughs) One of my favorite tips, I think it might be diving into your neck or one of your next questions when it comes to habit forming, whether it's you, you're like, Oh, I want to do a daily reset or clutter audit and use my donation bin or teach my kids how to do this stuff. Or my partner is when it comes to habit forming, think about it this way. Like You want to make it easy for yourself and your family to do what you want them to do. And so a donation bin helps you do that. There's a dedicated space for said things when you're done with them. So it helps them like sharpen their sword when it comes to identifying, hey, I don't need this anymore. I've outgrown it. You know, I'm 13. I had this when I was 11. It doesn't really reflect who I am these days because our kids grow so fast, you know. Mm -hmm. And having that donation bin makes it easy for your kids to donate stuff and declutter and keep up with their room. So thinking about ways for habits to just make them easy for yourself. And when it comes to like the leaving the car with your arms full, I simply added a garbage can right outside of our car where I pull up into the garage. It's kind of in a walkway. So I mean, from the outside looking in, it's like, well, why would there be a little garbage can there? Because it's, you know, you just have to walk around a little bit. But I did that by design because it's right there. And so my kids just grab their trash and so do I. And we just plop it right there. I don't even have to take it into my home. So it really dovetails with what I shared. How can you make it easy to do what you want to do? And it really helps these small nuances in our physical environments. They give us cues, right? They give us cues. Hey, oh, there's a garbage there. Oh, yeah, I will I will grab that extra, you know, soda can or recycling or trash, that gum wrapper or 
God forbid, the goldfish, you know, <laughs> or whatever phase of parenting oh my and gosh. snacks, the season of snacks you're oh in. Oh my gosh, all the crumbs, all the crumbs. All the crumbs. Yeah, that's, that's a little bit bigger of a job, but you get the idea. I, get, I definitely, I definitely get the idea. Well, speaking of kind of lifestyle changes and what we can do, one of the places where I feel like you're consistently in a little bit of the tough love space is when it comes to being more mindful about us shopping. And I think this is the perfect time to talk about this because as we're talking, it's summer, but I know we're shifting into autumn. And I feel like there's so many women out there that are like, oh my gosh, I need all of the pumpkin spice candles right now. And it's so easy to draw things into our home. What do you have to tell us about being more mindful in that area? I think as someone who is a recovering shopaholic, not that that's a case if you want to go get a pumpkin spice candle. It's not the you know, it's a case for everyone. We all have our thing and that's okay too. You know, keeping in mind like some people when they're like, well, it's I want to declutter, but I also love pumpkin spice candles. If you're using them, if they spark joy, if they're serving a purpose, keep your freaking candles. You know what I'm saying? And so I think embrace that and give yourself permission to enjoy your things that you enjoy. But if some of your listeners are listening and they're noticing maybe they have some shopping patterns that they're not too keen on, I would really just implore them to get to the root of that. And so big reasons that a lot of us shop or impulse shop, impulse shopping really means like I woke up today and I wasn't planning on buying a pair of boots. And then I was on Facebook and I saw an ad and I was like, oh, those are cute. And I bought a pair of boots, right? <laughs> so getting to the root of that. So is it stress? Is it boredom? Those are two of the most common reasons we shop for things that we're not necessarily planning for. And then one of the most under discussed and I think most important reasons that we shop, and this was for me too, is lack of control. When our lives feel chaotic, when our lives feel out of control, and a lot of it does feel out of control sometimes, especially depending on what's happening in our culture or society or politics or whatever, what have you, my go-to was to pick up my phone and try and buy my way into a different mental state. I wanted to distract myself. And there is something to be said that when we buy something, we feel for a split second more in control. So once you're able to identify the root of that, just start asking yourself questions. When I'm hopping onto my phone, am I feeling stressed, bored? Like what's happening in my internal environment? What's happening in my external environment? Am I doing the shopping when you know I'm tapped out at night, my kids are running around, they're not listening, it's the witching hour, and I'm just feeling out of control. Is this, is this part of the theme? And uh, what can I do instead? What can I do instead? Maybe you set a time boundary and put your phone away. Maybe you delete the shopping apps. I mean, there are a lot of like practical strategies you can implement, but I think without understanding what feelings you're trying to escape or what you're trying to distract yourself from, we go deep here. It's like clutter therapy. Then it's kind of an exercise in futility because that driving factor is there until you can identify it and start to reframe it. I think this is very individual, but I'm really glad you shared this because if nothing else, this is telling me that whenever in the next couple of months our listeners are making purchases, mm -hmm. maybe they can at least stop and be aware of their mind space when they're doing it. Because for me, 
there's nothing more joyful than having an hour on a weekend where I'm just wandering the streets and getting a coffee and like, lo and Uh, behold, I find something magical, like a book or something really special that I want. And it's just like, oh my goodness, it feels like a little pop of magic. I don't want to, it's not about shame. It's just, that is like such a totally different space than like you said, like being on the phone and then all of a sudden being like, my kids need more art supplies and you've got your, you know, just like (laughs) spazzing out out of some need for control or whatever. And I think every woman is going to know what it is for them. So just maybe taking that beat to be aware of, okay, I'm purchasing something. It's coming into my home. Katie's told us all the stats, so it's going to create more situations, right? And just we continue to pay for it. Yes. I mean, you got to, yes, you might find a book you love and you might keep it on your bookshelf or your nightstand. And every time you go to bed at night, you're like, oh, I need to read that book. I need to read that book. And then a friend gives you a book and then that's on your nightstand, right? It's like, and then all of a sudden that book could become clutter. And it's not that we planned for that to happen. I think a lot of times clutter just, it turns into it because- we have this idea in our heads that just because something served a purpose for a short time or we bought it with the best intention that we need to keep it forever. But there's so many seasons in life, right? We grow, we evolve, our kids get older, our interests change, our seasons changes. And so the stuff we own should reflect the season we are in now, not what we could be in, not what we did have. It should serve us right now. So I'm happy you shared that book example because that's like, it sounds silly. It's like, oh, well, it's a book. But we have to kind of think about the meaning we attach our to our stuff, right? On its own, that book is neutral. But when you go to potentially declutter in six months, it's like, oh, well, maybe I'll have more time. And we start, to, oh, that costs $20. Well, I'll just keep it, right? And so getting to the heart of the matter is so important. And to that purchasing question, one great question to pose yourself next time you're considering buying something, whether it's, I don't know, a purse or something people will see is if no one ever saw me wearing this item, would I still buy it? And sometimes we do want to buy things just to show like, hey, look, I'm on trend. I can fit in or I have this. And consciously, I think some of us are like, well, I don't, I don't do that. But it's this subconscious drive, right? It's part of human nature. It's part of our DNA to want to be a part of a tribe and be a part of a community. And so I think a lot of times that drives our consumption patterns as well. So if, if no one ever saw me in this car or wearing this purse or this coat or this brand, would I still buy it? Again, it's like you said, it's very individual. We don't all buy for the same reasons. But posing that question, depending on where you fall, can be really fruitful. Wow. Well, this was perfectly timed because I always end my episodes with a reflective question. So I think we just locked yours (laughs) in. So I'm going to say that back to you. If nobody ever saw me wearing this, would I buy it? That's going to make people think. We're hitting up against time. I feel like we've covered so much territory. Do you have any final truth bomb to share with us when it comes to decluttering in order to create more of what we really want in life? Going back to what I hit on briefly earlier, you know, we're all busy. There's never going to be a perfect time to declutter your clothes or your kids' toys or that sentimental box you've been holding on to since high school or your last move. But it's worth it. And the time invested pays massive dividends in both the long run and the short run. And if you just need a quick little boost today, if you're ready to declutter, but you're overwhelmed and maybe facing 
clutter and mess in every single space, one of my top recommendations is just to start with some surface areas, maybe in your kitchen, like the ones that are constantly triggering you every time you go into that space. Start by clearing that off. And a lot of it isn't necessarily clutter. It's just things that need to get put back, which is what we do in daily resets, right? But it's like this instant mood boost. And when you're in your kitchen or at your kitchen table or brushing your teeth at night and your bathroom vanity is clear, again, that's going to influence our thoughts, our emotions, and better prepare us for the day ahead or the night ahead. And it's a really profound thing. So that's my two cents. Thank you. I know my audience is going to have so many takeaways and want to follow you and learn more from you. So where can we find you, Katie? Well, come hang out on the Maximize Minimalist show. I'm on YouTube as well under Katie Wells. And then my social media of choice is definitely Instagram. I like to have fun with reels and all that good stuff too. All right. We'll make sure to capture that in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Whitney. I'm so glad you joined me today. If you're looking for more, feel free to connect with me on Instagram at at WhitneyWoman. And if you enjoyed the show, I invite you to support me by leaving a review or sharing it with a friend. Hope you have an inspired day.